Good evening, good morning, good afternoon, and welcome to the latest episode of Biblioscapes Instruction. Today, I am joined by members of MAP6 Collective. I'm joined by Barry, I'm joined by Paul, and I'm joined by Richard. Good evening, guys. Good evening. Hello there. Thank you very much for joining me tonight. We're here to obviously talk about one of your recent projects, the Isolation Project, um, which is really quite interesting. Your timing couldn't have been better. Um, but before we get into talking about that, it'd be great if you could each individually give a bit of an introduction to yourselves as photographers, but also to the Map 6 Collective. So I'll ask Barry to start to kick us off. Yeah, OK. Well, um, I've, I guess I've been taking photographs for about 10, 12 years. Before that, I was doing a lot of... Um, other kind of media like printmaking, uh, silk oh. screening, painting. So the photography was something that um, I was doing um, a lot of kind of um, urban landscapes and stuff. And when I joined the Map Six, that was a kind of um, a learning curve for me because I really desperately wanted to be part of Map Six because I saw their show um, at the Vantage Point in Brighton when I had a, a show on myself, and I I fell in love with the whole ethos. They they just they done the comeback from Moscow, so I think I met you, Paul. And I think I was kind of like okay. saying, can I, can I, can I be a friend? Can I join you? I've got <laughs> stuff. I, I could be in an exhibition. And, you know, I was kind of a real wannabe kind of thing. So I was very surprised when Paul kind of got in contact with me quite a few months later. And then we, we went round, I think, to Mitch's house. And we had, there was about three of us that were all introduced. So it felt like, wow. And I think what they said to me at that point was, you know, you're going to have to commit. You're going to have to come to Lithuania. And I was like, whoa, it's exactly what I've always wanted to do. And I've never, in a way, had the the bravery, the balls to do it. So the joining of the Map 6 was a real kind of like step up in terms of the photography. But the individual work has always gone alongside that, which I think is something that for all of us, that we've all got an individual practice and then there's a Map 6 one. So it's a real kind of, um, I mean, I really, really like the experimental nature and being pushed out of my comfort zone with the Map 6. It's a challenge because yeah. sometimes it's like Zen photography, whereas I'm actually myself very much into long-term document. I'll be doing a project on... Pro Poland, Ukraine for years and years, and it's still fermenting in a way. So I, I kind of like, in a way, moving between the two. I'm quite, I like the eclectic way of being a photographer. So yeah, that's kind of me. Really, I've, I've done quite a diverse range of styles. From I always think because I'm learning all the time, I'm sort of like, well, I've ticked that one off. I've done all the urban landscapes, the car parks, all the pissed in corners. Now I'm doing the portraits and the, you yeah. know, Eastern Europe, and so I kind of tick them off my tick box, and you know. Okay. It's always nice to be pushed and challenged in new ways and new directions. What about yourself, Paul? Uh, well, I mean, you say push and challenge, and that's that's exactly what, you know, is always interesting me with Map6. Um, it's that whole idea of always learning from one another and having that collaborative experience. And yeah. we all have a similar interest in terms of, um, you know, we're all interested in photographing place yes. and people within it. Um but I think with every project, you know, we've done eight projects now over 10 years. And with every project, we try to do something a bit different. So we're always thinking about um, how we can collaborate differently, how we can make pictures differently, use sometimes shifting cameras, things like that. Um, and that's something that I guess in my own practice, I'm really interested in. So, you know, I'm originally from Birmingham and lived in Brighton for... 13 like 13 years which is where I went to I originally studied photography 2000 in Liverpool yeah so <clears throat> yeah I've been making pictures for just over 20 years but I'd say I got a lot more serious about my personal work um in 2010 which is when we studied at the MA in Brighton cool. and uh, before that I'd worked commercially I'd worked in a 
portrait studio. I'd worked uh, doing like uh, news photography for a local newspaper. I'd shooting events and weddings and things like that. I still do those things alongside my personal work. Um, but when I studied on the MA, I met five of them of the original members of MAP6. Yep. And I think it just all got a lot more serious at that point. You know, we were really, we were a bit older. We were really driven about learning about more about photography and making serious projects. And uh, yeah, the original six members, we, we all got on very well. So we were like, well, um, how's about we form something together and uh, start exhibiting together. So it started off really as a sort of um, a, an exhibiting endeavor. So cool. we all brought all these skills together. You know, some of us are good at websites, some of us are good at curation, some of yes. us are good at picture editing and whatever. So we brought all of those skills together, um, which enabled us to put shows together a lot easier than if we were doing it alone. It's a, you know, it's a really big yeah. thing putting on an exhibition. So with six of us, it makes, you know, it, it really reduces the work, the individual work. Yeah, many hands um, make light work. Yeah. And um, and then we put on a few shows and then the MA finished and we were kind of like, well, you know, we need to keep this going really and um, uh, try and create a space once a year where we can meet up and make work together and all these kind of things. And we, we're always in contact with one another. We always meet up and, you know, we're always going out for a drink or going to shows or sharing books or whatever. Yeah. But this thing... Uh, of meeting up once a year was became really important to us a creative space where we could actually make work together yeah and I don't think at the time um you know there were I mean there weren't actually that many collectives to my knowledge when we first started um in 2010 there was a few um but this whole idea of make going away and making work together I think it was quite a new thing and um mm -hmm. and that's been the core of it really this you know we conceptualize a project um, and then we go away and shoot it and then we edit it together and then it, we decide if it becomes an exhibition or a book or, or whatever. Cool. Um, so yeah, I have my own practice, which is primarily about, you know, I'm really interested in walking, all kinds of walking, experimental walking, night yep. walking, trekking, any of those things. Um, but the map six is something that really feeds into that individual practice because yep. it's, you know, I'm always <clears throat> learning from these guys. And hopefully the feelings the same. Very good, excellent. Yeah, so it sounds really quite fascinating that you can blend and mix both your own personal practice, but with something that's totally different experience with with the collective as well. What about yourself, Richard? What's uh, what's your background and your involvement with Map Six? Um, well, I graduated from Brighton Uni in two thousand and six, uh, doing an editorial photography course. Um, and then since then, I've been kind of my practice is split into two, personal work and commercial work. Cool. Um, so I earn a living from photographing architecture, uh, mostly. Um, so I've got that kind of balance between that and doing my own personal projects. Yes. Um, directly after I graduated from Brighton Uni um, doing the degree course, we, I set up a different collective uh, called Human Endeavour. Um, so I've always really enjoyed working in collectives. Uh, there was only three of us in that collective, but yep. we put on a few shows. We did a few projects together. Um, and then I really, I kind of, that stopped. Um, and then a commercial work kind of took over for a few years. And yeah. um, I, I, I reached out to Paul and asked him about joining Map 6 because it was, I knew it would be a good way to actually get back into doing the personal work because it kind yeah. of, you know, 
when other people are relying on you as well, it forces you to get back into that headspace. Um, so yeah, I mean, most of my work, I guess, is based around sort of landscape and architecture and sort of capturing passing time and shaping and reshaping of the landscape, um, really. And that kind of feeds into what I do with Map 6 as well. Um, I think I've been, I think I joined Map 6 about four years, maybe four or five years ago. Um, so I've done about four projects with them now. Um, and it's been great. I've really enjoyed it. And, um, you know, it's nice to be able to um, bounce ideas off each other, show show each other our work, not just Map 6 work, but personal work. Yeah. Um, and I think before the collective I was in before, we were all very similar photographers. We did a we did a project together, same subject matter, and all the image images looked very similar. All shot on five four large format camera, and um, and it was great. It was a really good project. But uh, I think Map Six, because we're quite diverse photographers, um, the end product is a bit more interesting because you know you have someone doing portraiture, you have someone who's quite conceptual in their outlook, someone doing landscapes, someone doing architecture. Um, so I find that a little bit more interesting, I think, because of the variety of, of people yeah. within the... Yeah, within the I, th- I think that it's also with the variety of people as well, you just get, you get a far wider range of influences coming in and experiences and different perspectives as well in terms of not just the work that's produced, but how the work might be exhibited or the, the various outputs for the work as well. Everyone has got different perspectives in, in terms of how the work might be best presented to the, the outside world. But... Yeah, it's really interesting. I, I, I love that. I love the way that you work in projects. And as you're talking about there, Paul, it's, it's like one project a year sort of thing that you kind of visualize, conceptualize, and then go and shoot it. And obviously, the isolation project was one that was shot just prior to lockdown. So I'm, I'm interested to know was how. How, how was your timing in, in terms of this? Was it something that had been pre-planned and then I suppose the subject matter and the theme of it maybe changed very last minute as, uh, as, things, as things moved on in the world, Paul? What's, what's, what, what, what was the basis behind it? Well, we'd, uh, we'd, we'd been working on a, a project which we've just brought out as a book, which was called The Finland Happiness, Hap, the Happiness Project. Yes. Um, and that was looking at themes around the um, World Happiness Report and basically Finland had been um, this country that had been selected as being the happy or the most content country in the world. And it's just happened again this year, uh, which I believe makes that the fifth time. So we, um, <clears throat> at the time, we were kind of looking for a project and we'd all met up and we'd had, sim- we'd had different ideas and we had this big meeting about what we should do and we were thinking about Brexit and all these other things and it was kind of a bit um I don't know it, we we felt like we needed to cheer ourselves up a bit with everything that was going on in the world and and then it was Mitch um in the group who kind of started on this idea of happiness um so anyway we decided to, not ordinarily we'd only work on one trip so we'd go there for a week wherever we go Shetland or Moscow or wherever yep. we'd go there for a week it'd be a short sharp sort of uh, creative six seven days and we come back and, and edit the work. But this time we thought, you know, let's try something different. Let's do it twice, but to two different parts of Finland. So we did the first trip. Uh, we went primarily to Helsinki. Yep. Um, worked there for a week, shot the first half of the project, and then had this idea of going to uh, Rovaniemi, which is in the north in Lapland. Yeah. And um, 
so that that's what we were doing there. It was the second trip to Finland. And as it happens, um, we'd all had our, you know, we'd been, we'd have been, because we shot this over two years instead of one, which again, which made it a bit different from everything we'd worked on previous. But uh, we'd had all these kind of projects in place, people we were going to meet, all these ideas. And then pretty much as soon as we landed in Rovaniemi, um, you know, they closed the borders, cancelled all the flights, and we were just kind of thrown into this chaos. Um, there was supposed to be nine of us going, and only five of us went in the end. But yeah, I remember uh, getting there, and it was like, as soon as we got to Rovaniemi, we all got texts saying that your flights have been cancelled, and next it was the borders closing and it was like right what are we going to do kind of thing and um yeah and then we i mean we were trying we were kind of caught in this situation where we were thinking what are we doing here and how do we get home and all of this yeah. kind of thing all of our projects are sort of falling apart and the isolation project really is um is what it was a completely improvised project that we did you know just over the course of a few days yeah it was I suppose it was a, a spontaneous um, documentation of our experiences there, and and trying to capture this what we what we yeah. felt at the time was something really important happening. Cool. So Barry, when when you landed, obviously you're going with the with your mindset of doing part two of the happiness project. How did your whole approach have to change when all of a sudden it was no longer a happy place, and you were now in now in isolation, potentially stranded in Finland? albeit the well, happiest place in the world. <laughs> well, me and uh, Richard, Richard Chivers, we'd gone out uh, the weekend before. So we landed on the Friday okay. and then Paul and Rich turned up on the Monday and we met well in Helsinki, didn't we? So we kind of went out almost like we preempted it. So we, we'd gone out and then we'd taken an overnight train to Rovaniemi. But that was kind of to do a little bit extra on the project in Helsinki. It was like yep. to go back to the, so the place I'd been to is County Ainen, which is the happiest place on earth because it, it ranks top of the Finland chart in terms of kind of most uh, happy satisfied well the most satisfied municipality within Finland okay and Finland being the happiest country you know it's kind of like an ironic and, it, <laughs> and I think that that title had always been coined by the New York Times and someone had written the happiest place on earth so I went back to there and I met a few people I met a few people that I hadn't met the first time and I did a longer kind of interview so I had something in the bag already because I knew that it potentially what I'd set up in, in Lapland, in, in near Oranimi, was going to fall apart because people were saying, we're not sure, we're not sure. Because I wanted to go and go to um, a very um, small town that was kind of had a depleted population. It was an elderly population. So it would have been a contrast, a comparison with the the County Ainen, which is a very, you know, um, young, yeah. um, lively, and it's, you know, it's, it's, it's a suburb of Helsinki, really. So I kind of knew that that was falling apart and that wasn't going to happen. And, and I suppose what we were quickly figuring out was actually we shouldn't go because it's dangerous. And, and I don't think we quite, we were sort of like quickly, we hadn't really understood. I mean, we weren't wearing masks. We were wearing gloves when we were going to the top, but it was kind of, we had a lot of hand gel, but we weren't, you know, so it was kind of like really at the beginning of learning about what lockdown was about. So when I got there, I think my initial response was, I was really, really demoralised. I just didn't know what to do. I think it was Paul's suggestion that we do something. You know, we use our ethos, which is that we are a collective that um, collaborates and we're experimental and we could do something. And I think that was a real challenge for me because I really had to think about something completely out of the box, completely different. I couldn't do what I was going to do at all. 
and I'd, I'd gone there to do a whole series of portraits. I wanted it to be a portrait project. So suddenly I had to think, well, how do I do portraits here? <laughs> how do I capture the sense of strangeness? You know, it, it was difficult because I, yep. you know, I could get quite a rigid mindset, say, well, I was going to do that. Now, So I think it was challenging for me in particular, I think, fi finding images within the local vicinity that captured that strange sense of isolation and eeriness. And, you know, we were very out of our comfort zone you know that the apartment didn't have wi-fi for instance and um, we had to go to a cafe to get wi-fi and things were shutting down so you know it was real kind of on the edge like would we get a flight home wouldn't yeah. we if we got stuck there what would we do that kind of thing yeah. you know and how, how was the experience for you Richard did you did you find it a an enthralling experience or or like or did you find it was it challenging at the same time I suspect it's one of these things that there's probably very many ups and downs when all your plans are thrown into disarray Hmm. Yeah, I think I, looking back on it now, I, I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed the whole experience. Yeah. Um, and, it, you know, it's something to talk about, you know, for years to come. And at the time, yeah, it was a little bit like one minute we were getting a text saying your flights have been cancelled. And it's like, oh, no, what are we going to do? We need to find some Wi-Fi to make sure we've got a flight home. And I think we managed to get like the third to last flight out of there. So it was kind of, it was touch and go. But yeah. we still had... Once we'd booked that flight, we knew that we still had a few days to fill and, and do some work. And um, I kind of think I think I found it kind of quite liberating in a way because I quite enjoy just walking and photographing and making pictures without any real kind of um, subject matter and then trying to find the subject matter afterwards. So in that sense, I didn't find it difficult. Um, yeah. And we had this weird kind of um, sense um we were getting all these news stories coming in from home um and we were looking at them on our phones and we were thinking well you know this is really horrible but then looking out the window we've got this lovely snowy landscape so you've got that contrast yeah. going on which was quite interesting um and me and Paul started to record all the newspaper headlines and started thinking well maybe we could use these in some way for the project at some point um and really I just went around trying to find people that were quite isolated within the landscape, so quite yeah. small within the image. Um, and it was, you know, I mean, the, the challenging part was that it was freezing cold and it was a snow, you know, it was snowy. And we went out at night sometimes and it was like minus 15 on one of the, one of the, yeah. one of the nights. And it was just, I was there with my tripod trying to set things up. And yeah, so it was, but it was interesting. I mean, we all went out together at some points, you know, walking around together and which was really interesting and, um, yeah, it was a challenge at times, but and it was worrying obviously at times. But I think it was a it was a good experience in the end. Yeah, how how was it for you, Paul? Did did you share similar experiences to to the other guys, or did you, you did you find it different? I suppose everyone depending on their approach to work and maybe what your intentions were to shoot. Obviously, um, Barry, you talked about how many how much of your plans were kind of put into disarray, but yet at the same time, uh, Richard. Is, is quite happy to walk the streets. How, how did you find it affected or impacted on the work that you were producing? Well, it was a, you know, like the other guys said, it was a, it was a worry because we were initially, you know, we, yeah. my principal concern was my family and, and, you know, when I'm going to get back to see them and the sort of economics of the situation, how long are we going to be stuck here? For, you know, we didn't have yes. a clue. Really. Yeah. Once we kind of got this flight booked, um, we were, you know, I remember we all sat in, we all stay together when we go on these trips generally. Um, 
So we all go out shooting and then we kind of come back in the evening and share our work and sort of shape each other's work and get feedback. Um, so I remember we were also kind of sat in the kitchen going, come on, let's, um, you know, let's make something here. Uh, this is actually a, an interesting moment in time and we're photographers, so that's what we should be doing. We should be going out making work. And uh, it, was a, it was a worry, but once we had that flight, it was like, well, I, I was kind of thinking about what do I want to make pictures about? And I was thinking about this idea of, you know, being trapped and being isolated and um, being separated. So I was kind of, I spent the, the time sort of wandering around these housing estates really and photographing things like windows and snowed up entrances and, um, you know, all these, all these different things that in some way um, connected with how I was feeling, being yeah. trapped in a particular mm -hmm. place. Um, so it was actually really fascinating because Map 6, we, you know, we talked about every time we think of a project or starting a project, we think about what we can do differently. And we'd always talked about doing something really spontaneous, but it's quite terrifying really as a, you know, an artist because it's really takes yeah. you out of your comfort zone. Um, and this was kind of like we were forced into that situation yeah. where we had to be spontaneous. Mm -hmm. So it's a real test of your or, or of our artistic abilities um and i look back on it now and I, I feel quite fond uh you know i think of it i think of the project quite fondly because it was a, it was quite different from what we'd done yeah. and the whole thing was very collaborative and uh, uh, and very spontaneous which um you know it's it's quite nice to work on different things so yeah absolutely and i think it's very hard to get that spontaneous element into photography no matter how hard you try even there's always an element of planning goes into it. Whereas I think in this scenario, you really were thrown into a, a totally different scenario, a different working environment. And, and it's interesting to hear, hear how you all go out individually and photograph it. And do you all go with set plans and set ideas, Richard, for, for what you're looking to come back and contribute to the project as a whole? Um, yeah, normally, I think <laughs> yeah. how it normally works is everyone comes up with a project idea. So before we went to Finland in general, we, we had a project idea. So I was photographing um, like the timber industry in Finland. Yeah. Um, so the first trip when we stayed in Helsinki, I disappeared off for a couple of days up to a town called Varkas, which had, was a big timber industry town. Um, and then I would come back and then we would meet up in the evenings and we'd talk about the projects and stuff like that. So cool. um, in, on some trips, we, you know, we would go out mm -hmm. together walk around the same place together, making photographs. And yeah. um, in Wales, uh, we, we went, to, we did a trip in Wales last year. Um, and a couple of the days, one of the days I spent a day in a cave with Rich Cutler, one of the other Map 6 members, just helping him do his project rather than doing any of mine myself. So there was that kind of collaborative, you know, help each other out and, yeah. um, <laughs> and just see what other people are doing because you learn from, you know, yeah. the process of what other people are doing. So, yeah, it works quite well like that, I think. Yeah, it's, it's, I, I really like the body of work from the isolation project. And it's very interesting to hear everyone describe their own personal experiences and, and what elements everyone picks up from isolation, working in very much, I, I suppose, a far more constrained environment than you normally would be, where you'd be far freer to travel and go and do your, your normal plans. How, how did you find that? Uh, Barry, when it came to kind of beginning the curation process from everyone's work? Well, I, I think it was, I mean, I wasn't sure we had what we had actually. It was very difficult. And I know in a way Richard did the first kind of 
putting the images together and then we sort of we were sort of um discussing which images we wanted in which which would come out you know so it was a process and i think this was a particularly challenging process where we had to give up um in a way ownership or, or you know like i was particularly fond of a certain portrait but it wasn't going to go in and others were going to go in so i think it was a quite an extreme uh, example of where we had to kind of um look at the whole rather than the individual. And I, I think, you know, the collection of images that I'd taken myself didn't form a project. So it was kind of like, here are the images, see what fits. I, I know which ones I definitely want in. There was a Japanese couple with a snowman, which was just so odd it had to go in. And, and, and you know, I was very glad that that was selected. But I think we had an initial edit, which um, I think went through you, Richard, didn't it? And then I think we put it out. What well, it came to us as well, the ones that uh, then been to um, Lapland, to Rovaniemi, and then it went out to a wider, the wider group. So, so we, in a way, it was still a collective project. I mean, those yeah. that weren't there that hadn't gone were still involved in the editing and then thinking. You know, we we had feedback on that image worked or that one didn't or that one should be bigger or that one should be smaller. So, it, you know, the whole edit and the whole shape of the book was definitely a map six editing yes. process. You know, um, subsequent to actually having taken the images. So, and I think that's what works so well about the whole map six process really and i think this is a very good example of where we we pushed it to the limit really we were really experimental in terms of what could work you know and i, I think i was just gathering a bunch of images really to see and i think you know for me i wanted something that was really odd i wanted the oddness so i think some of the oddness comes through in a kind of a bizarre almost um quirky ironic sense of humor really so you know the images that i i put in there that i wanted in I was I really wasn't sure if they would sit alongside the very dark images that Rich Cutler had, had, had all the beautiful images of the nightscapes that Aurel had put together. So for me, it was a real learning process to see how that came together. And I kind of sat back and just watched and allowed the process to happen and then started to sort of, you know, say, I like that. I, could that image be slightly yeah. larger? Could, you know, um, I don't mind losing that image. So it was a real discussion, I think, you know, then yeah. around the whole editing process. And Paul, how who how did the concept come up in terms of the format? Obviously, you've incorporated the text, which comes from headlines as, as you are collecting. So how, how did that idea all come about in terms of the, the final output? Well, it was, uh, you, you know, I talked about this uh, spontane spontaneity to the project and that sort of ran through the entirety of it up until like the when we got home, um, just thinking back, when we got home we'd gone into lockdown so as map six what we're used to is um you know we meet up and we throw images around the table and we'll yep. spend a day or a weekend editing in that way it's really intense yes we'd never really done anything or much via zoom or and this kind <laughs> of communication um <clears throat> so basically we just had a you know we couldn't get in the same room together which it really changes the dynamic of editing work yeah and it was new to us all um so we basically just uploaded all of the images. Um, then Shivers went through and um, selected a bunch of them that he thought could work. And then we kind of went through, uh, we also had all the text that we recorded, the you know, the news headlines. And then uh, I think it was me and Shivers started going through and trying to match up the images with the text and trying to find, um, you know, is there a way that we can link the two? And then Barry would come in and then uh, Rich Cutler, um, who's a, you know, he's a pub, he works in publishing, so he was kind of thinking about the how that works on the page and yeah, 
and then we like barry said we um we put together a, an edit and then i uploaded it all onto the website but didn't you know didn't make it live and then yes. everyone could see what we were thinking yep um and then everybody else was looking at it and giving us feedback uh, what they thought worked what didn't work and it kind of you know throughout the whole process like barry says is a it's obviously it's a serious moment in time but there is a bit of a, a, a sort of a dark sense of humor in parts of it is that that just seemed to come out on its own so yeah. it's got a really unusual feel to the work but, um somehow i think it works i don't know how it works i don't know how we got to that point where it works but it but you know i look back on it and it, it does um i do feel as if it's a fair document of the experiences that we had Absolutely. And how, how is it for you, Richard, when you're given the momentum task of um, taking all the images to do the first cut and and bring something together that works for a starting point for further discussion? Uh, yeah, it was a little bit. I was a little bit unsure how that was going to work. To be honest, um, like the others said, some people had like Rich Color had really dark images yeah. where you can almost you know you can't really see what's going on in them so much. And then there was some portraits and some quite bright nights, nightscapes. Um, so it was a little bit daunting, I think, to start with. But we were in lockdown and I didn't have any work on. So I had plenty of time just to fiddle around. And so I just started pairing up images and putting three images together. Um, and then I think Paul said, uh, one way we can do it is to make some images smaller than the others. Um, yeah. And on the website, the way we, we did it, we stacked the images up. So you would kind of scroll down to see the images. So one image would be quite large and then the next image would be smaller next to it. Um, so there's a variety of sizes. Um, and yeah, so I think it started to work. It was just a question of jigging the images around to make it feel feel as though it was working and it wasn't too jarring. Yeah. Um, and then I think once other people started to have their input as well, it kind of started to make more sense. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I must say, I like on the website the fact that there's images which are all different sizes. I think it really helps to hold the attention as opposed to everything just being the same size or what or laid out in a big grid that you can just take one glance at and then you kind of you don't actually pay as much and and, and are connected to the images. Whereas because they're on slightly different alignments around the page, there's text breaking it up as well. I think that aspect of it really holds the attention far more from a, from a viewer's perspective. But it must have been quite interesting as the group who were in Finland to publish this for the rest of the collective and to get their initial feedback. How did that go down, Paul? Uh, well, it was good. It was... Um... I don't know, it felt like, because we'd been um, absorbed in this editing process for probably a couple of months, really. So we were yeah. really inside the work. And, uh, you know, you get a bit obsessive with these things when you're placing images and moving yeah. around and trying to find meanings and dualities between the images and the text. And, you know, you get really, yeah, you get really attached to it all. So when we put it out to the uh, the other guys, the other five members of the collective, uh, it was quite a, a big moment because actually it was like we it, even then we didn't really know what we had you know because it's such a, a it was such a different way of working for us and quite yeah. a different project um so it was really great to hear the feedback and not not just the positive stuff but the negative stuff as well because you know we really thrive on um on people being able to you know be straight up about yeah. what they really think don't work you know it doesn't work so uh 
yeah I think it was it was a really helpful pro- process and um and it it, it, sh- it helped to shape it a lot better than what it was we changed quite a lot from people's feedback and yeah, they yeah. could see it from even though they're part of the collective they weren't there but um they could see it from the outside rather yeah. than you know us being inside the work absolutely i think having a fresh pair of eyes looking at your work particularly from people who you value their their constructive criticism i think can really help shape a project and you just spot things that maybe don't look quite in the right order or the right place or maybe slightly jar jar the eyes did you find a good experience barry just sharing the work with the rest of the group and awaiting the feedback from what was a very spontaneous and interesting project and environment to be working in well i think it was it was a lot of fun actually and it was quite funny as well because you know there's some really bizarre headlines like references to seals alongside or eurovision song contest alongside a portrait that i'd taken and it was kind of odd seeing that juxtaposition and it was it was interesting when people came back and said i love that i love that uh, that title with that image and you know, I, I think yeah. people, in a way, it was uh, it was such a fresh experience. People's responses were also very fresh, you know, um, and honest. And and I think those fresh, that having fresh pair of eyes all the time, I think that's how the collective works really well. When you have a fresh pair of eyes and you look at someone else's body of work, or that you've, you know, it can be quite grueling because you know you can have an, an edit with the group and sixty percent, seventy percent of your images go out, you know. You know, once maybe you've been sitting there for hours to get that shot, and it's like, no, you know. So, you know, it, it's it's challenging, but also I think it was really, I think it was a lot of fun. It was quite quite an extraordinary experience, really. And also because we brought to culmination, culmination something that was actually really on the edge. You know, I mean, I think we had a lot of humour when we were there, which is what got us through. You know, we had a lot of very funny experiences, a lot of good experiences. We went to the karaoke bar, we met Santa, things like that. And I think that carried on in the editing and in the kind of like the spirit. So I think although it's dark and there's a dark, there's a dark humour to it. It's not grim. It's kind of yeah. like, you know, it. and I, you know, there were a lot of isolation projects that suddenly <laughs> became very vogue, lots and lots of them. And I think there's nothing quite like what we put together because it, it was something that we hadn't planned to do. It was very, as Paul said, very, very spontaneous. And, you know, we were a bit foolish. We were, we, could have got stuck in Finland, you know, and most people were sensible enough not to do that. You know, they kind of saw the writing in the headlines of the news. You know, so we were a bit kind of, we, we did get there. We did think, you know, we, we are a bit foolish that we, we're here, actually, because, you know, we should have yeah. seen this happening. But at the same time, it was like, well, you know, this is cutting edge, really, in terms of... Um, yeah, absolutely. It's, it's the way to shoot something spontaneous. I dare say it might have been a slightly different reaction if you'd been stuck in Finland for two or three months without it, without any escape. The fortunate benefit was that you were able to to get back, but having shot having shot the project in an entirely different way. And do you think it's do you think it's changed your maybe your approach to shooting projects um, in terms of how in terms of that that whole spontaneous element? Is it something that you you kind of thrived on and you, and you would look to maybe do again, Richard? Uh, yeah, I guess so. Um, I mean, we've, we always talk about collaborating and yep. we always talk about how we can collaborate and how we can make projects more collaborative. So yep. um, I think the last trip we did in Wales, we've come up with a different way of collaborating with the group. Um, once we've got that work kind of edited and sorted out, we can kind of reveal what that was but um so there was a yeah there was that kind of uh sense that you know we wanted to do try and do something different um 
so yeah i think you know for me personally I've, since i joined map six i've done a lot more just kind of walking and photographing yeah. um with a digital camera rather than i used to use the 5.4 camera a lot um okay. but find i can be more spontaneous with the digital camera yeah um so things like that have changed and just you know wandering around robin emmy in the cold was just yeah it's kind of I've kind of continued doing similar things since I've come back, just walking around city yep. and stuff like that. So, yeah, it definitely had an influence. Yeah. Well, what about you as well, Paul? Would the would a spontaneous would a spontaneous trip maybe organised by one member of the collective? So you're basically sent to a location, or you you maybe two members of the group pick the location, don't share it with the rest of the group who are going, and and you travel somewhere, and, and it's a spontaneous three-day shoot based on an entirely new location well i think uh with with roving yemi what happened there it was um you know in a way it was liberating you know because it meant that i could just do what i love doing which is walking around looking trying recording things trying to understand what's happening trying to understand what i'm doing there you know and that's what i love with photography it's that whole process of of walking and looking and, and taking pictures and you know, when on the first trip, when I was in Helsinki, I set up all these meetings because my original, my project was about, um, for the Happiness Project, <clears throat> it was about meeting up with people and walking with them. Mm-hmm. And I'd record our conversations and we were talking about happiness and, and whatnot. So it's a very, I'd, I'd set myself this really fixed itinerary. Yep. And I was, I had pictures in mind and I was, you know, I had the objective of going to get them. Whereas, once that went out the window on the second trip, it was like, well, actually, I can just kind of do what I enjoy doing, which is just making pictures, really, of things that I like looking at. Yeah. And try and link that into um, into a bigger project that I didn't really know what we had. But, you know, uh, we'd been talking about it on the evenings and, you know, we, we had a sort of a beginning of an idea while we were there. And a lot of it came together in, in, the, in the editing. But I suppose... I suppose I'd like to think that you can make good work anywhere, really. Um, yeah. And it just takes, um, you know, a, a sort of a mindset and a and someone who can take good pictures and things like that. So the idea of going away and not really knowing what I'm shooting, yeah, I'd give. Honestly, I I think we'd give anything a go, really. Um, yeah. And every project that we do, maybe the next project we do after Wales will be something like that maybe it's the project idea is dictated by somebody else and then we go and shoot it or yeah. who knows um i'd be up for it though i think we'd, we'd be up for doing something like that I, I think i think it proves that based on your experiences shooting shooting the isolation project it is possible that that's the thing you you can go somewhere you're thrown into an entirely different scenario that you you've not planned you're not expecting to be in and you you can get five photographers all produce strong bodies of work that all coherently work together and have produced a, a, fanta- a fantastic book as well so um i think i think it does show as, as you say that there is there is the potential and there is the opportunity and as you say you're always you're always learning from one project in terms of how you can enhance and, and differentiate the next project and um, maybe that maybe there's a step forward there but i'm also interested to know in terms of the books and the the exhibitions how, how how do you really make decisions on that is that done as a group based on what the project is about barry well we we i think i think one of the, the key things i mean one of the words we always say is that we're big on collaboration but i think actually what we're very big on is play we, we play around with the idea of collaboration so 
we we never have a one set way of working we're always yeah. building on you know and in a way each project will react or respond to the project so the lithuania project was a very you know it was diverse projects forming one but with the milton Keynes, which followed that we just worked we, we had different ideas and different things we were photographing but it all came together as one big exhibition where we just mixed we didn't even have names on we just mixed up it was on one big wall which yeah. at the time was quite of a, a a very new concept for us um, and the exhibition for the happiness project that we had in Worthing not so long ago, that was a really tight edit, I'd say, in terms of the structure. We had we constructed things within it. It was a very small gallery, but we we packed it with a lot of diverse ways of presenting the work. So I think in terms of kind of um, what we do in the future and how we, I think we're always evolving. It's always evolving, but it also it's also always playful. So there may be things we've done in the past that you you know we still hark back to. And things we could do in the future. I think we don't quite know kind of where we're going to like the next project. We've got no idea, but what we will do is we'll play around with ideas and we'll see what sticks, yeah. you know, and we'll see how, in a way, how we can play with the idea of collaboration to keep it going, to keep it fresh. We're always looking for fresh Absolutely. thoughts. Really. And in terms of whether it becomes an exhibition or a publication or a talk or yeah. a book yeah. launch, I mean, you know, we've got a book coming out, the Finland Happiness Project, that will be a book launch, and that's another form of collaboration with an organization that will do the book launch yep. next up with Finland. So, you know, collaboration has multiple meanings in terms of not just within ourselves, it's also with other people like book publishers, gallery owners, uh, institutes, you yes. know, things like that. And, and how, how, uh, how satisfying is it to see your work in, in publication and in print, Richard? Um, yeah, it's great. I love it. Yeah, it's really, it's really great. Um, I've been lucky enough to be in, uh, a few, a few really nice exhibitions. Um, yeah, right. And photo fringe is always really good. Uh, I've been in format festival as well, which was really good, where you get to meet a lot of other photographers and you know lots of people come together to see the work. And um, yeah, and it's yeah, it's great to have your work in books and magazines and stuff like that. It's always nice um, yeah. to see that. And I think it works really well for the collective as well. I think it's a great opportunity to showcase the work. That the all the all the group are producing as well, it, even the ones who aren't necessarily participating in every single project. I, I think it shows the it shows how the work and is progressing and changing as everyone's influenced and as you bring new members on board and and all those aspects kind of kicking together as well, Paul. Yeah. Well, I mean, with with books, it's um you know I love I really love books, all kinds of books. Yeah. So, um, so um. You know, well, photo books. I'm pretty much an addict to buying them. So seeing our projects coming into uh, fruition in a book is brilliant. And yeah, I recently saw the proofs for the for the new book, and it looks amazing. So you know, uh, really, we're really excited to get that out there. But it's it's a different way of working because when we first began, it was uh, you know we were really dead set on exhibitions, and that's the way to go. And we still love that. Yep. <clears throat> But a book is just different because you can um, obviously that you think about the work very differently because you're looking at it in a, a narrative. You, you're going yes. from the start to the end, so it's a whole different way of thinking about the work. But also, um, you know, you have your exhibition and it's on for a month, and then you take it down, and that's the end of that, or it goes somewhere else. Whereas with a book, you can, you know, people buy it, they keep it, sits on the shelf. Yeah. Um, you know, I've got books I bought. 20 over 20 years ago photo books and I love going back to them and um you know the, the project's still alive within the book 
long after the exhibition's gone. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So when I see our work or my own work in printed form, it's brilliant. It always feels like a massive achievement. And it's um, this Finland book that we've that we're bringing out. Um, we've been working on it for nearly a year, really. Uh, we we did an edit of it and. Um, we spent a couple of months editing it and um, decided we had to scrap it all and, and go back to the drawing board and do it again. So it's been a real, um, real journey. So it's, it feels when I actually had the book in my hands or when we all did, it was, uh, yeah, it was like very satisfying to see it in its final form. Yeah, absolutely. It becomes such a tactile object. And as you see, it lasts well beyond a website or an exhibition does. You can return to it. You can enjoy it. You can go through it at your own pace. And as you see, it tells a story because you've got to make sure the flow works so well from 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 start through through to the end. But it also allows you to showcase so much more work than perhaps in an exhibition where you can be very constrained by size. It's you, You've got the ability to to showcase far more images um, and and more work from around everyone, but also include elements of text as well, which maybe don't necessarily always come across as strongly as they're up on the wall. But as you can see from the bookshelf behind me, I have a bit of a collection of books as well. Um, it seems to continuously grow and grow and grow, and the wish list never seems to shrink down. Once you buy one, two more get added. So I'm always very interested to hear some of the favourite books of my guests. Um, obviously, there's three of you here tonight, so we'll have three books from each of you so that it's not too expensive for, for anyone who's listening. So, Barry, first up, what's, uh, what's one of your favourite photo books? Well, my first one that I want to say is, is a book by um, Nick, Nick Wapplington, which is Settlement, which I love. I just adore this book. And it's, it's a kind of a, a nice sized book. It's got a bright orange cover with a picture of a portrait of a family portrait. But it's, it's a very interesting book because it's, it's about the settlements in the West Bank and it's about the Israeli settlement. So it's, it's a very contentious, but the, the subject is very contentious. And it's got yeah. a little bit of introduction. It's just got a page of introduction, just saying, you know, the background, the history, you know, outlining the issue in a way. And yes. then it's got a map and then it just goes into pictures and that's it. And it's, and it's a sequence of family portraits and they're beautiful family portraits. They're really, I mean, they're just mm. gorgeous. And then landscapes, but the landscapes are often of the settlement. So you go from this side quite close up to quite far back and you there's a rhythm to it, the portrait, landscape, portrait, landscape, and it's just documenting the settlements and it's a gorgeous book and then you stop and you pause and you think but it's not about it being a gorgeous book it's about the issue which is and it's it's in a way it chat it addresses it in such a, a beautiful way yeah contentious issue and it's not obviously polemic because it could have a whole massive introduction a massive essays written about the whole israeli palestine yeah but it doesn't do that it just it it just goes on the and it's it's odd because the portraits are so beautiful yeah. and the landscapes are so well put together, you know, and yet it's about a really contentious issue. So I, I kind of adore this book. Really, you know. Very good. Yeah, it's, I'm just having a wee look at it online, as I generally do when everyone's talking about their favourite books. Um, and yeah, it's, it's really nice. I like the combination of portrait and landscape in, in the same book. I think it really adds a bit of context to the landscape you're photographing, but also the people who, who and the landscape and the environment in which they live in. So yeah, as you say, an interesting subject matter, but it's nice that it's not bounded by a lot of writing and a lot of text and actually it lets the images talk for themselves. Yeah. Richard, first first selection of from yourself. Um, so the first book uh, is one I got given when I was doing A-level 
like evening A-level photography. Right. Um, and I was in the dark room and stuff. And there's a book called City Stills by Ray Metzger. Yep. Um, and I think it's mostly shot around Chicago, street photography. Um, I don't know, I think it's 50s and 60s. I, I might right. be wrong with that. Might might even be a little bit earlier. But he's kind of like a master of light and shade. So there's very deep shadows. Yep. Light, you know, nice lighting hitting people and hitting objects um and it's also quite experimental they'll often do double exposures um in the book you often see um you know contact sheets showing lots of various images yeah. they'll often place two images next to each other that are quite similar but slightly different yeah um so it's quite a playful kind of kind of book but very striking and it was kind of quite inspiring when i was doing a levels and stuff cool very good paul uh, so the first book is um, The Pond by John Gossage. Right. I know it'll be a popular one. Um, but this book, you know, some some books I've got on my shelf, you've kind of, I have a quite long relationship with. Yep. And this is definitely one of those books. Uh, it's been on and off my shelf hundreds of times over the years. And it's one of those books that, you know, when I'm out shooting um, or even when I'm not out shooting, when I'm just doing something else, a lot of the images come to um you know come to mind because they're so yeah. striking yeah <clears throat> and it's um you know the relationship began when i first studied photography i used to go to um the library and sort of every week i'd get out eight books and bring them home and that was my kind of education this kind of studying books every week yeah and i've been recommended this one and i remember getting it home and being really underwhelmed when i first looked at it because it's kind of a you know the pictures are so quiet and it's just basically uh, pictures of wasteland and forest and things like they're so quiet and there's almost nothing happening in many of the pictures yeah and i don't think i got it and i think it took me quite a few years to actually get what maybe i don't get it now but what i think <laughs> john gossage was saying in the book yeah and then yeah it's again it's going back to that whole thing of of you know being able to make work outside of your front door you don't necessarily have to travel to another country to make beautiful work yeah um, and it's that whole process of going out with your camera and just looking and enjoying making pictures and trying to understand place really and um, so i think that's definitely it's hard to choose my favorite books but that's definitely in there somewhere it's yeah it's absolutely sounds good uh, barry next next of your choices uh, well, the next one is the Rob Hornstar book. Um, well, actually, it's Rob Hornstar and Arnold Van Brugger. They, they, they collaborated. They travelled together. They did this project together. Okay. Of course, we, we all know Rob Hornstar's images. And it's the Sochi Project, which is actually called the Sochi Project, an atlas of war and tourism and the Caucasus. And it's, it's kind of the opposite of the Nick Wapplington because it's dense. It's a really dense book. I mean, you can't just do it in one sitting. It's got a lot of writing by uh, Arnold. It's got lots of pictures beautiful pictures and, and i remember them doing um, a mini clicks talk once um in brighton and and they went well over the allotted time they had like an hour but they went well over and i remember um uh, jim who was hosting it saying we're not going to put any end uh, timing to this you just keep talking guys you know <laughs> it, just, it was absolutely fascinating they they were arrested they were de detained it was it was entertaining but also they were hugely generous afterwards in terms of like how they would do exhibitions. So they were really experimental. They'd, they'd have pop-up exhibitions. They'd send out the exhibition to places that wanted to put it on as posters and they could pop it up. And, it was, and they had little guidebooks about how you could put on the exhibition. So yeah. it's, it's, it's a really experimental, really 
comprehensive and also really kind of um, sort of generous in terms of <clears throat> they're really thinking about people, you know, and the people that they're documenting. And within the book is quite amazing that he's got like time lapse pictures where he's taken a picture of like a woman, uh, a mother and child pressed up to the court in the corner of the bedroom. And then four or five years later, it's the same mother and child older, but the same corner of the bedroom. Yes, so there's really yeah. interesting time, not an in, an obvious time lapse of a landscape. It's like domestic scenes and things like that. And yeah. photographed like a classic postcard. And then he's done a photograph of the postcard and he's put that together. So yeah. lots and lots of fun of really thought provoking cool. and beautiful images. Excellent. So, yeah, sounds good. Richard? Um, so the second one is, I'm sure people have chosen this, but John Davies, The British Landscape, yep. um, which is highly kind of influential for me. Um, just beautiful black and white landscapes, man-altered landscapes taken from often from kind of elevated views. Yeah. Um, and what I like about the book itself is it's a big landscape book. There's no pictures going over the gutter, which is yes. a little <laughs> bit of a bugbear for me, you know. Um, and it's just, you know, the image you can see the images perfectly yeah. and it's nice and big so you can take all the detail in. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'll leave that there. Very good. Paul, second second choice. Yeah, so my second choice is probably the opposite to Shivers. Second choice because it's a, a tiny book, and uh, it's called Long Walks by David Johnson, which is I don't think it's um it's probably not that well known. It's a uh, it's a, a little book that's published in ninety eight. Uh, I'll just show it to you. It's, it's that tiny. All right. Yeah, very small. Um, but it's a. Uh, yeah, it was published by PhotoWorks as part of a series called, I think it was called uh, Country File. So it was like each photographer was yeah. making work about the countryside. Yeah. And um, it's really simple. It's just uh, basically there's pictures in it of like fields and trees and things like that. And all the pictures come through as uh, doubles. And in the second one, it looks almost the same, the image, but the light is ever so slightly changed. All oh, right. You almost have to um, really look look at and interrogate the image to see what the difference is. But uh, it's the fact that the images are accompanied by his diary. So it's like, he, mm -hmm. I think he's, uh, well, I, years ago, I used to do this blog called Photo Walk and I put this book on Photo Walk and um, I ended up getting in contact with him. We had this conversation, which was great. And he was like, a, he's like um, an agricultural laborer, but on his free time, he would go on these walks around West Sussex and he'd just write these diaries about what he saw. And it could be anything from like animals or the weather or what he was feeling or worrying yeah. about picking up his kids or anything like that. And then he'd take pictures and this book kind of brings these diary. Cool. Uh, yeah, this diary with the images. And it's just um, a really simple but very personal account of his walks during that time. Yeah, it sounds, sounds like a very nice concept idea as well about it. Yeah, it's it's been a big, uh, like... The pond it's been a big influence over the years again it's been on and off the shelf many yeah. um but it's not that well known which is a shame so hopefully if it's available people might buy it i don't know yeah i, I generally have a few weeks head start on people so i'll be able to have a wee look and see if i can find it before i release this to the world and everyone else starts looking for the same book as well <laughs> so it's always an advantage but no yeah, it's always nice to find something that just demonstrates that books don't need to be huge big coffee table books they can be very small very compact books or zines and things like that as well that just um, allow people to share share work in an appropriate size and scale as well that's the thing yeah yeah okay final selections over to you barry 
Yeah, my, my last book is by Jerome Sassini. It's called Inner Discord. And it's, it's a bit like the Soshi Project, but it's, it's a smaller book. And it's, it's, it's particularly um, focused on the Madan revolution in Ukraine. And I picked this book because we were going to do this interview earlier in the year. And I picked this before the war, before the, you know, yeah. Russians went in. And I, I, I picked it because I was I bought it because I really wanted to look at um, a way of photographing and documenting Ukraine because I was going back to Ukraine. I would planned a whole journey last November which would have taken me to Ukraine and travelled around a lot of area, which obviously now I'm seeing in the news, you know, it's yeah. being targeted, you know, and the reason was I was going to look for Jewish sites and, and memory. I was working on memory and things like that. So, you know, it's it was a challenging book then because it, it documents it the, the revolution in all sorts of ways. It documents the mayhem, it documents the, um, the, the brutality, it documents people being shot. And it, what's odd is that now there's images that are being shown on TV, which are just as brutal, just even more yeah. hard hitting. So in a way, the book has it hasn't lost any of its um, 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 complexity or a, a lot of its kind of its poignancy. I think it still has that. But I think it's quite interesting seeing that book um, because it was, you know, documenting a time 2014, which was in history. Yeah. Yeah, it was, you know, the subsequent to that, we were, you know, there was a sense of democracy and freedom in your, and, and suddenly it's kind of we've gone back to that yeah. with a vengeance. So I think for me, it's a very particularly poignant and it's very experimental as well. He's got some he's got some beautiful portraits, very hard portraits. He's got some that he's, he's put on different papers. Some look like graphite, some look like um, a Tarkovsky film. I mean, it's quite an interesting way he's played around in a way. I can see people not liking it because it's too much in there yeah. but I really really like the way he's played around with uh, cool. different styles of photography and different ways of doing yeah. the image really you know? cool sounds good it's always nice to see something that's a bit different and maybe pushes pushes your boundaries and pushes your level of interest as well um, Richard final final selection um, the final one is Jem Southern's landscape stories which yeah. again is kind of quite influential on my work and it kind of brings together some of his different projects um but again beautifully shot you know he shoots on a 10-8 camera quite a lot yeah. um i saw one of his prints at the photographer's gallery once it was massive this massive print a 10 shot on 10-8 from the painter's pool and it was beautiful it was one of the most beautiful photographs i've seen i think you know in person seeing it on the wall you yeah. felt like you could just step into it because it was so detailed yeah. um so yeah that's a you know it's another you know, big book, no photos going over the gutter or anything. <laughs> not as land, wide landscape as John Davies, but, yeah. you know. And not not that you've got anything with photos going over the gutter, but, uh, yeah. Too, no, too no, well, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and what about yourself, Paul? Final final selection? Uh, so my last one is a bit of a different tack. The other two are more kind of books that have really influenced me. Yep. This one is, um, it's called Stand By by Sputnik Photos. Right. So Sputnik Photos are, um, they're a photography collective from Eastern Europe. Mm. And uh, like I say, when Map 6 began, we weren't really aware of many other photo collectives um, other than Sputnik, really. I think um, th there was a couple, but not many, but Sputnik were a really big influence. Um, and they're, they're just a really amazing collective, the way they work together. Cool. And the book is all about... Uh, 
so the seven photographers and they traveled to belarus to um to investigate a statement that they read which was the last um belarus is the last that dictatorship of europe yeah so they traveled there i don't know if they went together or independently but they made a project uh, in belarus where the seven individual series and then it makes this project okay. and um it's just fascinating to see you know the diversity in picture making and you know from portraiture to fan photography to um you know there's bits of google maps in there and there's essays and all kinds of things uh pictures of different sizes and that's definitely something that with map six we we really love to do as well so um yeah it's just a really fascinating book in that sense and i a couple of years ago or a few years back i went to a format festival and they had a show on it was just incredible to see cool. not only are they great at putting making pictures and putting books together but in exhibitions as well they had this whole show on it was like um none of the images were authored it was just sputnik photos and they had cool. pictures with curtains on and prints hanging on the wall and you know things that you could touch and yeah, yeah really really fascinating yeah a um, real whole user experience there yeah absolutely so i i guess that um they've been a big influence cool. on me in terms of the collective yeah the collective cool yeah, i think a few of us are quite big fans of their work so Very good. we've got loads of books they're just quite hard to get a, uh, quite hard to get a hold of i think yeah. but that, that one's uh one that i love going back to cool well I will, I will go and check them out at some point it sounds it sounds very interesting on that note it really just leaves me to thank you very much for your time this evening it's been a pleasure chatting to you not just about the isolation project but about your collective map six in in in, in total because it's really quite interesting interesting and fascinating in terms of how you operate and and and, and the approach you take to doing your projects and all going off individually and creating projects within projects so um thank you very much for your time i look forward to seeing um, and getting a copy of the the real finland project which was planned and and shot as desired um, once it's uh, when it's published um, i look forward to seeing that but uh, on that note just yeah thank you very much for your time this evening guys thank you thanks a lot thank you. Thank you. cheers <laughs>